0: Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Truckers Podcast, FYI. I'm your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. It is 9 30 p.m. here on the 17th of August. Homelessness, mental health, substance use. Thank you for joining me tonight. <laughs> Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me this evening. It is Thursday. Yes, we made it over hump day. Thank you for joining me, J-Lo. Nice to have you here. And yeah, um, another rainy evening here across southern Ontario, Canada. supposed to be sunny tomorrow see what the forecast says about that and then it's supposed to be a pretty decent weekend keep my fingers crossed and that so yeah anyway um i'm out here uh pretty much every evening now and um i guess it'll be running from sunday to fridays take us take a break on saturday and then it just helps me find um, other content and you know things to talk about. So um, homelessness has become a crisis right across Canada. And it almost seems like we wait for a crisis to happen and then we act. And then it's just chaotic. Trying to figure out what are we going to do. We have a lack of housing. A lack of affordable housing. Shelters have bursted at their seams. City Council is trying to uh, put programs together there's one program they're they're running right now uh in three different areas of the city for 90 minutes a day and that's providing people with necessities that they need there's something like um 47 tent encampments around the city. They are working on projects. there. There's one um, in an area where, where I didn't grow up too far from uh, where the old uh, Victoria Hospital once stood. And they're building um affordable housing there there are had over the last couple years there's been a couple of uh affordable buildings going up and this would be geared to income is is what they're for you know whether on um disability um and whether you are on um welfare these what these are places are for but we still don't have enough and they haven't built any um london housing any really new or even enough since the 1980s and you don't have to go very far to see people who are homeless They're not just centralized, they're not just in one area. Homeless people move, and they're on the move constantly. Now, of course, you know, there are many reasons why people become homeless. There's loss of employment. Family breakups, family violence, mental illness, poor physical health, substance use, physical, sexual, or emotional abuse, and a lack of affordable housing. What we would be seeing, too, across the board here, too, um, there are buildings that um, just... um, Ha, um house the the elderly and they're on pensions or they're on a disability and what we're seeing here and it's been it's become really prevalent and not just for them but other tenants you know, are facing rent evictions. and that's where not all landlords are doing this. And I was reading a story uh, a couple of months back and, and there are landlords who are who have admitted that they are choosing the rental evictions in order to get more money for their units. And what happens with the rental evictions is that first of all, Um, The the tenant in in the unit has the first right of of, of, uh, of refusal. If they want to move back in after the rental is done, that means that they'll be paying the same rent as they were before the renovations took place. So what's happening is, Landlords are telling the tenants when it's done and they have new people move in and doubling the rent. I was reading an article today and they're uh, in, in another municipality. Um, they're looking at stopping or even putting in some sort of bylaws when it comes to rental evictions. And I I think the Landlords Tenants Act, I I think it really needs to be overhauled, you know, because it will be one excuse after another. You know, landlords even go as far as saying that, oh, I'm going to have a son or daughter move in or they're going to move into the unit. So they're going to evict you. And that also would be a lie. Somebody else will move in so they can double the rent. So who is homeless in Canada? The number the number of women who are experiencing poverty and homeless and homelessness. Is on the rise at 27, is on the rise. 20% of shelter users are women. 16% of senior women live in poverty. And across Canada, 1.9 million plus women are living on a low income and dangerously close to homelessness, living paycheck to paycheck. Women are much more likely to be victims of violence and assault on the streets. In fact, many women will stay in unhealthy and sometimes violent relationships instead of putting themselves on the streets. One in four are indigenous women or indigenous people. And the indigenous people are overrepresented in the homeless population. And and despite making up 5% of Canada's population, in fact, the indigenous peoples are eight times more likely to experience homelessness. And this is especially true in urban areas such as uh, Toronto and Metro Vancouver. And this is uh, attributed to historical trauma, discrimination, and racism, which translates to limit the opportunities, extreme poverty and lack of adequate housing as supports also put them at a higher risk of homelessness. Children and youth. And it's growing at an alarming rate. And to give you a better idea, one in every seven living in a homeless shelter is a child, and approximately 20% of people experience homelessness are between the ages of 13 to 25, and it's challenging for young individuals as it impacts their education and healthcare. As a result, there are extremely high rates of school dropouts Involvement in crime and victims of human trafficking, homelessness can have a lifelong impact on their on their mental and their physical health. And the number of homeless the number of homeless veterans is, is growing as well. And the number of the homeless veterans is growing year by year, and the highest being in in here in Ontario and British Columbia. And as it is, veterans face unique challenges and difficulties transitioning back into civilian life after military service. And they experience high rates of mental health issues such as anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, or addictions, and due to the lack of, of support programs, and many end up on the streets. We don't hear about this too often because they're really unaccounted for. It's the hidden homeless. And the hidden homeless refers to those who are homeless, but, but not out on the streets. And they might be living in their car or staying with friends or family members. And according to the uh, Statistics Canada, One in five will stay in the the situation for at least one year and people with a history of childhood abuse as well as people with disabilities are more likely to experience hidden homelessness than others. Some of the common causes of homelessness. There's over 9,200 individuals are homeless in Toronto every single night. And that doesn't even begin to reflect the true number of people without an address that live in the greater Toronto area and the province of Ontario. And many of those people end up living in shelters, in vehicles, on friend's sofas, And you know, hopping from one temporary roof to another, in fact, over three million Canadians are precariously housed at any given time. And the causes of homelessness and poverty are complicated. Because everybody's situation, you know, can't be pinned down to just one specific cause or an event. It's complex. And it requires a network of resources and multi multifaceted approach if we want to end homelessness. Our last mayor was talking about ending homeless. homeless. His, his goal was to end homeless in 10 years. And people said, well, why didn't you start that 10 years ago? and the cost of living, well look what's happening today. Rents have more than doubled. The cost of food is is out the roof. Pays, you know, when it comes to the minimum wage, it's stagnant. I mean you can't you can't earn seventeen dollars an hour and and expect to rent an eighteen hundred dollar apartment. It's not gonna happen. More than 53% of Canadians live paycheck to paycheck, and this means all it takes is one or two changes in the circumstances for more than half of Canadians to face possible homelessness. The loss of a job, a health crisis, a mental illness, a divorce, or a death in the family would cause many Canadians to fall behind on their bills and leave them unable to make ends meet. The cost of living in Toronto is one of the highest, most expensive, is most, one of the most expensive cities to live in. The average one-bedroom apartment is about $1,600, not including utilities. And then and, and the apartments in desirable neighborhoods are um, close to $2,400 for the bare minimum. Add the cost of a phone, transportation, and groceries, and a single person needs to earn more than 38000 a year just to survive. That'll just get you over the hump of poverty. That's just getting by. That's nothing That's nothing left over at the end of the day. Violence and abuse, family violence, is one of the main factors that lead to homelessness, and especially among women, children, and youth. And many homeless individuals across Canada are youth running from an abusive home. They're unable to access resources and service due to being underage or overcrowding, and youth are particularly vulnerable to being homeless without support. And children within the foster care system or involved with child and family services are more likely to eventually end up on the streets due to unstable or unhappy living arrangements. So they are also more prone to violence once they leave home, leaving them vulnerable to human trafficking, addiction, violence, and abuse. And mental illness is to believe to affect more than 75% of all of those dealing with homelessness the lack of resources, long waiting lists for public or subsidized housing, insufficient treatment options, and complex mental health issues that make it difficult to find stable employment can make it nearly impossible for some to find secure and permanent housing. And people on the streets... You know, individuals often develop mental health issues like fear and anxiety, depression, PTSD after becoming homeless, living on the streets and not knowing where your next meal is coming from can lead to feelings of hopelessness and despair. And there are others who are struggling with mental Ill, uh, health issues prior to ending up homeless, have difficulty finding medical or psychiatric care that can successfully follow and monitor their care. And unemployment and part of the the vicious circle of homelessness starts with one's employment situation losing a job can can land someone on the streets because they can't afford their apartment anymore because you know you get you know so for employment insurance you know you get like 65 percent of your wages on on in on employment so if you're living paycheck to paycheck And you lose your job. You're going to fall behind very quickly. And once on the streets, it can be nearly impossible to get a job. job Because they have no address. No phone to connect with, with prospective employers. No resources to create resumes. No clothing for interviews. Lack of proper nutrition to function and think properly. Lack of transportation. The other one here is lack of awareness and resources. And there can be a lot of red tape. Around housing for people who experience homelessness, people end up frustrated and may even walk away from attempting to get help because they are treated with lack of respect and unable to get assistance they need. You know, I always thought we're supposed to have professional people working in these fields to help people. Discrimination. An individual seeking help are often told they need need an address to get money for rent but they can't get a place to live without money. Lack of identification is often a barrier between resources and the person in need. And it's very common that those in need often don't know where to turn for help or what resources are available. And as a result, outreach teams and homeless advocates may not be able to make contact with those individuals. Now, health and safety. So, you know, here across Canada, here in Ontario, um, even though we are very fortunate to be able to access emergency and preventative care under the Ontario Hospital Insurance Plan at no cost, you know. There are many who are financially devastated by a health crisis in the family, whether it's a father who loses his job after a back injury or a mother who must now stay home to care for a sick child, and the bills add up. Prescription costs and home care can run into the thousands of dollars and leave individuals choosing between housing and health, and some individuals end up living on the streets because they just simply can't afford a home. And even though with our Ontario hospital insurance plan at no cost, you know, so that's one thing that we're fortunate for. And then, of course, you know, we have this this vicious cycle. When someone ends up In an unsustainable housing situation, it can be difficult to climb out of it. Securing housing can be difficult without current landlord references, credit checks, and verified income. The cost of the first and last month's rent, turning on the utilities, getting a phone, furnishing an apartment can seem like the the insurmountable issues to someone trying to secure their next meal. The lack of basic life necessity leads to further difficulties. Lack of proper nutrition, medical attention can lead to major physical and mental health issues. Now, the key driver of homelessness in, in the city of Toronto is the economy in the housing market, rental costs have increased dramatically over the past 10 years, and a lack of affordable housing has increased to a record high numbers. The majority of the shelter users receive Ontario Works or Ontario Disability Support, and social assistance rates don't respond to local economic factors into the growing affordability, affordability gap. I think a single person a single person on, on disability, I think, is something like $900. Somebody who is on, we call it Ontario, or we call it Ontario Works. It used to be called Welfare. For a single person, I think it's something like $750 a month for a single person. And the other, you know, so, and the other most, um, another big challenge here is helping people move out of shelters, right? And once people have managed to, you know, get into an affordable situation, affordable housing... You know, then they need to, have, they, you know, the basic life needs have to be met, and they are more able to cope with the activities and daily living, which can help them thrive and reach their full potential. So, I mean, you know, you get a roof over your head, and you have the 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 supports backing you up. Helping you stay in your home. And one thing that they, they do too on on social assistance. And, um, they'll take a portion of that that pays your rent. And then you send you the rest of your money. So you can buy food and clothing. They'll even take your, your, your uh, utilities. Off your check and, and, and pay your, your, your utilities for you. So you're going to have heat and hydro. You have a stove to cook on. And of course, the, you know, to keep to keep you in touch with other supports that are needed. Whether it's for addiction or, or mental health. And there's... Um, Another place they 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 want to, they want to build. I think it's starting to be built, and they're going to have supports. Um, in that same location, so they don't have to travel anywhere. For supports for for mental health support for addiction, and supports to you know. To keep that roof over your head so you don't end up back on the streets again. Now, you've probably seen this. I've seen this plenty of times. The truth about homeless people and their pets... So, homeless people would rather sleep on the streets with their pets than go into shelters with them. And then we ask ourselves, why do homeless people have pets? And living on the streets can be very, very difficulty, uh, dif- difficult, obviously. People act like you're invisible, or worse, they want you to make yourself invisible. It is important to remember that homelessness is an isolating experience and people who are homeless often have no support or love from family or friends and for some days and even weeks can go by without anyone acknowledging their existence or showing them kindness and affection and that can chisel away at one's already fragile state and then we say well how come doesn't family get involved why was?" where's siblings possibly, or their parents possibly, like we talked earlier about, you know, they're, they're leaving a volatile tile home. Or their parents kicked them out. Now... So A pet can be one of the things that give them the courage to face HD. Their furry friend is often the only other creature in the world who seems to treat them with unconditional love and compassion. Having a pet provide companionship, protection, and love can be a major contributing factor whether someone survives or not. They are a lifeline for their owner in a source of courage, strength, and love for someone struggling to survive. And then we ask ourselves, can homeless people take care of their pets? And it's a common misconception that homeless people can't take care of their pets. And for keeping homeless and their pets together, we can assure that people so this is this guy here, he's an expert on huge advocate for keeping homeless and their pets together, and we can assure that people experience homelessness, love their pets and will always find ways to provide for them as and as a matter of fact, homeless pet owners would rather sleep on the streets than choose a shelter, bed, bed and that they don't allow pets generally anyways in shelters. But they certainly won't be able to take care of their pet if their pet becomes injured, sick. Anybody who owns an animal, they know how expensive the vet bill, the, the vet bills can be. Now, they say many studies show that having a pet de- decreases the use of drugs and alcohol, uh, uh, and alcohol um, as well of other high-risk behavior. And animal companionship is extremely important in people's lives. And it gives them a sense of purpose. And it also teaches them responsibility and accountability. And homelessness is a physical, mental, and a mental threat to someone's well-being. Having a pet to care for and that cares for them in return is not only good for someone who is struggling with mental health issues, but it can actually make them physically healthier. And a person feels a stronger need to take care of themselves because they are need to take care of their pets. In the cold months, their pet is, is a source of warmth and companionship. Not only does having a pet reduce stress and lower blood pressure, but it can improve immunity, low risk of stroke and heart attack, and ease physical and mental pain. Now, of course, they have a lot of challenges for the homeless pet owners. And it is is one of the major factors of offering a barrier for people needing to find shelter and access services and housing. And it is very common that people are forced to choose between a shelter bed and staying on the street with their pet. And needless to say, most people choose the latter. Now... There are places, and there has been noticeable progress for pet-friendly shelters here in Canada, but there are still a lot of unmet needs and challenges to housing homeless people with pets. And one of the few long-term shelters in Toronto that allow pets to accompany their owners, is the Fred Victor's Bethlehem United Shelter in Toronto. It's one of the few long-term shelters in Toronto that allows pets to accompany their owners. Not very many. We also need more safe spaces for women who need it the most. And the number of women in Toronto who are experiencing poverty and homelessness is on the rise. 27% of shelter users are women. 16% of senior women living in poverty and across Canada. 1.9 million plus women are living on a low income and are dangerously close to homelessness. And alarming and homeless women are 10 times more likely to die prematurely than women from the general population. And there's a growing number of women in Toronto without good, stable jobs. On average, women earn only 75 cents for each dollar earned by men. And 81% of Canadian single parents are women. We have women's 24-7 a day drop-in centers and this is a unique service um, in Toronto that provides a safe place for women who are not able to use shelters. Most of the women here have experienced severe trauma and live with mental instability. And the programs uh, that they have work to do the following. reduce social isolation of street involvement and service resistant and and service resistant women improve safety reduce harm and street involvement build confidence and self-esteem of women who need the program and ensure program is reflective of the needs of the service users there is also even here most cities across Canada to have the women's hostel. And this one in Toronto is a 44-bed emergency shelter. And especially for women and trans folks serving over 400 women annually. And staff are trained to offer the necessary support to diverse women who find themselves without a safe place to sleep off the street. There's also a place in Toronto called the Mary uh, Sheffield House. And it's a transitional housing for women age 55 plus. And the women living at the the Mary Sheffield House are are vulnerable due to complex physical, mental health development and or substance use related issues. And they're working with private uh, landowner Landowners, now they have um, a place here, it's a newly renovated home, provides separate bedrooms with a community kitchen in a living space and this is called, um, this person actually called Fred Victor provides um one year of accommodations and care for women who require support to transition into appropriate long-term housing so i guess this is a newly renovated home provides separate bedrooms with a community kitchen and living space they also have women's transition to housing and that is uh the transition to housing is designed to prevent One-time shelter users from becoming chronic long-term users by by providing privacy, safety, and all the supports necessary to quickly rehouse women within a span of 12 months. And rapidly rehousing this group of women is critical in preventing chronic homelessness and the mental and physical deterioration associated with long-term shelter use. Have you ever... Been inside a homeless shelter. I volunteered back a few years ago. And um, good people, you know, I mean, there's, I mean, just in general in society, I mean, there's good and bad in everybody, you know, there's, there's people that, you know, one bad apple rusing it for, for everybody else. Or one bad apple is going to ruin it for themselves and volunteering, um, at the shelter, you know, you see, you, you, see who these people are, you can clearly see they have, um, struggling with, 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 a, a mental illness or addiction. They're not all violent, you know? They're not all crazy. Everybody, like I said earlier, everybody' is, situation is unique and it's different. Unfortunately, I've seen people kicked out. You know, if you get caught, if you get caught with 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 a substance in the shelter, you're kicked out. If you come back to the shelter drunk, they're not gonna let you in. You know, when people all walks of life, you know, it's. They have the women. They have the um, the women's dorm and they have the men's dorm, and then they they have the just the overnight cots, just so people could have a place to lay their head for the night. And the ones that stay in the dorms, you know, they are supposed to help with. Preparing the meals like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, there to help clean the place. And that was a task in, in in itself. I mean, part of part of my job was to track them down because their name's on the list, you know, to do the dishes, to sweep and wash the floors, to gather the laundry and get it down down to the laundry. Sometimes I just found found myself doing that task because they were out the door and down the street. You know, and then when they come back for lunch, they say, well, where were you? Oh, I forgot it was my turn today. <laughs> you know, they say, well, how about help with dinner this time? And when dinner came, dinner time came to get prepped for dinner, they were gone again. So it was just, you know, it was, it was, it was like that day in and day out. You know, then, and then, of course, people who need a cot for the night, you have to be there at a certain time. Everybody's welcome to come for dinner. But then you, you, you had to... Be ready and, and available at 7 p.m. to get your name on the list for a cop to sleep on. And if you were 10 minutes late or 15 minutes late, well, the likelihood of you getting a cot was nil. Another thing here is how long could you survive on the streets? I guess that's going to, you know, depend on a lot of different things, right? And homelessness is one of the largest sociological issues in Canada. Every night, an estimated 235,000 plus people find themselves without a place to call home. It can be easy to walk by a homeless person on, on the sidewalk and and, dis, and and dismiss them as irresponsible, not willing to work, addicted or, or, or making a lifestyle choice. And for a person to become homeless, it usually means all other options have failed and they are dealing with circumstances that make it difficult to obtain housing and no one chooses to be homeless. And every day spent without a home is a battle to survive. And it's important to understand that no one is safe from homelessness. It can happen to anyone. And a lack of a shelter. So from December through March, the average low temperature in Toronto is well below zero. Even if you bundle up in a coat and blanket, spending a night without a shelter in these temperatures can can quickly lead to frostbite and hypothermia. Adding a wet clothes from rain and snow, it's a recipe for serious illness, injury, injury, or even death. And while the shelters and emergency uh, emergencies work hard to give everyone a warm place to spend at night. They- and fill to capacity, there's no guarantee you'll find a bed. And if you try to find shelter in a public space, you might be asked to move along. The lack of basic necessities. The fastest way to stop taking food, water, clothing, and hygiene for granted is to spend time without a home. Having no income means means you're forced to rely on the generosity of strangers and supports from shelters to meet your basic needs. <coughs> Excuse me. So, you know, for, for people who don't have some form of income, not having a place to keep keep items means you can't stock up on food, toiletries women products or clothing, and this often leads them to living day by day with no idea where the next meal, drink or shower is coming from. The lack of access to quality health care. So being homeless makes you vulnerable to injury and illness. and Without access to first aid supplies and medicine, even small wounds can And common colds can become serious problems. And chronic health conditions complicate things even further. Mental illness, diabetes, respiratory conditions, and infections and diseases all need regular treatment to manage. You know, it's like we go to our health providers, you have a family doctor, walk in clinics. Which by the way we have, you know, a serious lack of of family doctors. That's why the emergency departments are so full all the time. That's why the walking clinics are so full all the time. And if you have a family doctor here in Canada, consider yourself lucky. Or you too will be waiting in walking clinics or the emergency department? Well, I think, you know, through our donations, you know, to shelters, um, to our social services, Other advocate groups that help people who are homeless. Yes, yeah, some groups get um, supports from the government, but that money doesn't last, it runs out fast. They always need, you know, shelters always need um, food and clothing, and blankets, hygiene, women products, they all need these stuff, they all need these things on a daily basis. You know, even, you know, the, uh, the food banks, You know, that's something that started, I think, it's like something like 25 years ago. And food banks were were not to be a full-time thing. It wasn't supposed to last for 25 years. And here we are. And more and more people today need the food bank. And of course, shelters, I mean, that's how I mean that the shelters, that's how they get their food is through do, is through donations. Now, one of the big, biggest um, issues for homeless face is the constant exposure to the elements. Right? So the exposure often leads to a variety of health problems and illnesses, including respiratory illnesses. Which can also lead to bronchitis. Pulmonary disease, emphysema, and other diseases that make it extremely difficult to breathe. And without proper medical care, these types of illness can lead to more significant medical problems and even death. Mental health issues, dental issues, poor nutrition unintentional injuries. It's hard to ignore the fact that millions of people around the world lack the basic necessities of life and the effects of homelessness can easily rob a person of the will to live and hopefully the facts contained that we just talked about can shine some light on the problem and inspire compassion in it and action to help those in need and even where you live if you can make a donation that would be appreciated because small i mean you know, small donations. I mean, people can can donate what they what they can, right? But a little bit goes a long way. You know, I get up pretty early in the morning, and I'm usually up between five and five thirty in the morning. And out the door to trek my way into work, and even though it's you know it's still dark at five o'clock, five thirty in the morning, along my journeys down the road, you see the homeless. There's one place I stop in four in the morning. I get a coffee. Sometimes it is Tim Hortons, and some, and other times it's not because I just feel like going in, <clears throat> into the into the store, and just adjacent to the entrance. There's a couple people sleeping. And that'd be approximately like a five-minute walk from where I where I live. You don't have to go far. Believe me. So that's the show for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I appreciate you coming out here and listening to my show. I will be back out here tomorrow, and tomorrow's Friday, that's awesome, it's Friday, finally it's Friday, you know I'm going finally it's Friday, I just came off a two week vacation. (laughs) I want to go back on holidays, but I can't, but yeah, tomorrow's Friday, and I'll have a show up. After I'm done getting this show up onto PodBean and out around the world, I'll post up another show for tomorrow night for 9:30 p.m and then Saturday. Now I wanted to find it here and I know I know where it is. Uh, just take me a second here. Uh, okay. <clears throat> so. I am doing. A podcast that uh, this recently came out for those who haven't heard this. So you've listened to my other past episodes this week. This. Um, video that is up on YouTube is called "The Truckers on the Front Lines of Freedom." One of the organizers was being interviewed, uh, by a well-known here in Canada, uh, by uh, Jordan B. Peterson. Um who is or was a uh, a a clinical psychologist Um, he's written books he's on daily wire Um, he's a public speaker so i will be doing an episode on that and weighing in on what this one organizer had to say about that so-called Freedom Convoy that took place last January 2022, and being that I've been a trucker for 30-plus years, I'm certainly more than qualified to uh, say my piece about it. So you don't want to miss that. So Saturday would be a day for me. I've I've actually have got a lot of material together already, but I just want to finish it all up and be ready for Sunday to do that show and to retract what this individual had to say. So you don't you don't want to miss that show. You really don't. It's going to be a good show. And 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. That'll be, the, that'll be the show. And I'm also going to be doing a video, recording a video at the same time as I'm doing the podcast on the same subject. Which, and then that video, when it's done and edited, it'll be up on YouTube. And you'll be able to find it by going to the Truckers Podcast FYI. The one thing for sure, I am not shy. And on this particular subject, when it comes to that so called freedom convoy slash Karen Carnival, I won't be hiding behind the mic. So join me for that if you can. If you can't, that's fine too. I appreciate it. And until then, until tomorrow night at 9.30 p.m., I hope you can join me. That'd be great. And then we'll begin the new episodes on Sunday, and that'll be the first one for Sunday in the morning on this so-called Truckers on the Front Lines of Freedom. I mean, I get a laughing feeling in my stomach every time I read that title. So, um, yeah. Anyways, have a good night, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, yeah, happy Friday to everybody. Tomorrow's Friday, end of the week. That's awesome. Canada, take care and good night.